Hello, and thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. You can listen and subscribe to the show for free on Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Blog Talk Radio, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. For network or show information, visit ByteRadio.me. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guest joining us from Canada is Phoenix Rose, and we will be talking about her new book, Hope and Heart, A Quantum Leap into the Aquarian Age. Hope and Heart was written by Phoenix Rose, 50 years a student of metaphysics, a longtime Rosicrucian, amateur astrologer, and lover of science and nature. Her book is an, is an inspirational, multifaceted poetry and prose anthology about love, nature, optimism, self-reflection, and a new understanding of consciousness and science through quantum physics. In the preface, the author who believes in the innate goodness of people says that she wrote this book to encourage others to trust in themselves never give up, and always have hope. Theoretical quantum physicist Amit Paswami, whom she frequently quotes in, from his numerous books, contends that not matter but consciousness is the basis of all being. If accepted by all science, this could prove the notion of an interconnectedness, a oneness of all life, and radically change the thinking of humanity. One day, this could reunite science and spirituality. For more information, you can visit Phoenix's website, which is www.phoenixrose.ca. And with that, I'd like to welcome Phoenix to the show. Good day. Good afternoon, Robert. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. I enjoy having guests who inspire hope and something that we desperately need in our world today. So I love the um, title of your your show. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was that was. Um, gosh, it was probably now more than 20 years ago. An astrologer, since you know you're um, ah. after astrologer did a uh, reading for me, and in the reading, which was on cassette tape, which kind of shows you how far back it was, um, just said um, <laughs> that that was my purpose, was bringing inspiration to the world. So when I started the and, – and it just resonated with me, like, at a real core level. So when I started my show 13 years ago, I thought that, that's just the, the perfect way I wanted to, you know, set out to, to do a message. So – um let, let's start with your your book the the dedication in your book um you wrote to humanists and spiritually minded persons with the hope that this will one day include everyone so can you explain you know this particular dedication certainly um, i'm glad you asked me that um humanists focus on the 
the greater good for everyone through ethical living. All humanity is one family in this regard, irrespective of any seeming differences. Humanists tend to be open-minded, self-reflective, tolerant of different opinions than their own, and all this helps to keep their own personal balance and harmony and that of everyone around them. Uh, The ecologist um, sees the world, the, the planet, as a living planet. It's a living entity. I think we, many of us feel that way for sure. And we certainly mm-hmm. need to take better care of Gaia. And that is the, the name that the Greeks called their creative mother goddess of the earth. We certainly see that there are a lot of wild storms, etc. There's There's floods and fires and all kinds of devastation. And um, this is, you know, obviously an indication of climate change. And I can't imagine that there are still people that that doubt that that's happening. Uh, Of course, we know that climate has changed before. But to my knowledge, there's no industrial revolution uh, that was taking place to trigger it um, other than the one that started in the late 1800s. So earlier climate change might have been a different cause. As to spiritually minded individuals, uh, their hallmarks are that they're they're aware of an inner non-physical self as well as our obviously physical self. We need to respect both aspects of our being and take care of them. So we develop our physical body by exercise and eating well. And we develop our inner side by listening to our conscience, that little voice within our within us, which always tells us the right action for us to follow. Also through meditation and self-reflection and prayer, gratitude, service to others, These are all things that um, spiritually-minded individuals follow. Because humankind, we're all social animals, and we're walking this hard walk of life. And we have more in common than that which divides us. And I believe that we need to take more action and commitment uh, in terms of the governments that lead us. We need to voice our opinions to protect our environment. Uh, but we do have the vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, when, when you were talking about um, ecologists and how, you know, you had hoped there would, wouldn't be people who would deny, you know, the, the man's impact on it, it's, I'm, I'm stunned at how many still do. And, um, you know, for a while, I was um, incensed in a way that the you know people just weren't looking at facts. You know that they were just kind of steadfast in their belief and just not open to um, being made aware. You know of some of the realities happening, and then you know like 
all um, change. It seems that the the deniers or those who are resistant to changing beliefs um, serve a purpose. I mean, it to me, it, I recognize now that it elevates the conversation. It it brings the topic to top of mind for some people who may be asleep or, or, or just entrenched in their daily routine to the point where, you know, they are kind of shaken awake by, you know, some of the things that they hear. So now when I see or hear contrary people and opinions, um, I just think, okay, well, that's that's part of that's necessary. That's a necessary part um, of the discussion. I couldn't agree more, Robert. And I, I, there's point and counterpoint, and there's oppositions. If we didn't have an opposition, we wouldn't be aware of um, the other side, <laughs> as, as I think you were right. trying to to explain. So I, yeah, I agree yeah, with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so for those people listening who <laughs> get irritated with the, the contrarian in your life, just recognize that they serve a purpose and, and be grateful that they're there and, and grateful that it's not you. <laughs> it well, crazy. and everyone is entitled uh, to their own opinion. We all like our own opinions. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So now... As I read in the introduction, um, you know, part of the title of your book, A Quantum Leap into an Aquarian Age, um, in, I mentioned uh, Dr. Amit Goswami, um, the quantum physicist, um, whom you uh, quote. Um, t- tell us a little bit about, you know, your introduction into his perspective. And, and, and I also read, too, that he did a very nice, um, blurb or support of your work. Yes, I was very gratified that uh, I was able to connect um, with him, and he read my book, and um, I guess I can start off by reading that right now, if that's okay. Um, Absolutely. Says, you, thank you. He said, uh, beautiful book, congratulations, here is my blurb. As the author has asked and answered the question in the affirmative, will science and God ever be united under a common paradigm? In the same vein, I have been asking the question, will poetry and science ever be united in the same brain and heart? Now I know that my question has also been answered in the affirmative in this book. Congratulations to the author for this wonderful book. Readers, if you want to be inspired, this book is it in caps. <laughs> and that was Dr. Amit Goswami, Ph.D., author of The Self-Aware Universe, The Quantum Brain, The Quantum Integrative Brain, uh, Medicine, rather. The last two with Valentina R. Onasor, M.D., so yes, I was um, certainly thrilled to yeah. to receive that endorsement from him. Uh, but I first yeah, I... came across Dr. Goswami 
back in about mm-hmm. um, uh, 2010 or so, somewhere in there, there was a, a Netflix show uh, entitled Quantum Activism. And he, um, he put forward that idea, uh, as you said, that, um, that consciousness, not matter, is the ground of all being. And this just excited me. Um, but prior to that, prior to that um, show of his, I had read a magazine um, that was entitled Quantum Mysticism. And this really changed. That was back in, 20, in 1999, I believe. And that, um, in that, um, I'm trying to think who it was. Um, oh, it was James Jeans, the astrophysicist. He was a contemporary of Einstein. And he said, gosh, um, I'm trying to think what he's, um, he said that the world seems, or the universe seems to be more of a giant thought than a giant machine. And of course, science has always put forward that you had to, that they had the answers to everything and someone else wrote that um, oh Niels Bohr said that another early physicist said if you're not puzzled when you first encounter quantum physics you couldn't possibly have understood it hmm. so that's basically how I came to know Amit Goswami's work was I, I was reading books that, um, uh, he wrote the uh, quantum creativity the everything answer book um, numerous other books of his he's probably written 15 or 20 books so <laughs> it really sparked an interest in me um, as a mystic, as an aspiring mystic, because no one's ever really there. Um, The article that I read uh, back in 1999 also said, uh, indicated there was evidence that consciousness was a quantum process. Now, of course, mainstream science currently holds that consciousness arises from the physical brain but something else was being suggested here. Jeans also said, it may well be that each individual consciousness ought to be compared to a brain cell in a universal mind. Isn't that amazing? (laughs) That that shows that everyone is connected. And if everything is energy, as Einstein's famous theory shows, the e, e equals MC squared, then everything is connected. So many scientists, including the famous Stephen Hawking, had long sought a toe, a theory of everything. And 
they did this through, um, they, they were searching for the source of matter by looking at smaller and smaller atomic sub, sub, subatomic particles. Well, there's a lot of controversy that exists around this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. The idea idea that that consciousness, you know, is the source of of creativity of matter, you know, the, um, I, I believe in your book there was a reference to the idea that the 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 illusion of consciousness that that um that that we the consciousness as we may believe it to be is an illusion um so how is that something that you kind of uh, give note to, or, or, or what, what's your feeling about that? Well, I'm, I'm not sure that I would say consciousness is a, is an illusion. It's just a world that what we've come to understand about the world isn't exactly the way that we thought it was. Um, if what Dr. Amit Goswami hmm. and I believe that James Jeans would concur would have concurred um, is that science is within consciousness, not the other way around. Consciousness isn't within science. So everything is within consciousness and, and various levels. There are different levels of consciousness and understanding of it. So um, we're trying when we get try to get to know our inner self, we're trying to get to the higher levels of consciousness, and that doesn't happen overnight. This is a it can be a long process, and one has to work at this through meditation and um, being receptive to developing uh, and listening to one's intuition. Mm. And that's the huge of what I try to do. Yeah. Well, you know, it, we're, you know, as we're talking about, um, you know, quantum, I happen to notice that um, it was probably last week sometime, there was an article um, put out by Princeton University that physicists entangle individual molecules for the first time and bring about a new platform for quantum science. So, you know, here we have the idea of quantum entanglement, one molecule being um, connected to another, and then that, regardless of space and time, you know, but but one affecting the other, um, first of all, it just blows one mind with the, the idea that this kind of thing exists, even though, you know, we... We think of sometimes um, how our um, connection with spirit, with people who have passed, you know, kind of, you know, is in a way a form of entanglement um, in the sense that, you know, the the, the love connection or whatever the energetic connection, um, you know, exists 
and allows for some um, back and forth, you know, to, to happen. There's a but, correlation, but I was just, a correlation, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was just, you know, kind of taken back when the idea that, you know, physicists can actually create an entanglement kind of situation, thereby kind of giving that scientific support or credence to that being a reality. It's a slow process to change, and, and for there are so many in mainstream science that still resist this idea of the importance of quantum physics and how it is changing. Um, we're going to change the world, I think. That we're, I think we're on the threshold of a, a new worldview, and they've also found recently that um, the brain itself has quantum activity as well as the heart. So, you know, that's that's great news. I mean, it, it's not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. No, but but it's, I think, like any paradigm shift. I mean, it's kind of like the idea of turning the turning around a boat, you know, while it's kind of, you know, in route somewhere that takes a while for that boat to kind of turn around, you know, going against uh, the tide um, in which it's involved. So, um, you know, I, I, but the idea is, is that each time there is a, um, uh, a support for something like that to happen, that it just raises awareness. And once one is aware, then they can entertain the possibility of a different worldview. And I think we that's key that's a key point, Robert, because people need to be open minded and expect that there will be changes and, and a turnaround, as you said, and another classic example of that uh, a number of quite a few centuries ago was the um, Copernican revolution where the where it took several hundred years for people to accept that it wasn't the earth that was the center of our solar system, it was the sun, so things yeah. take time yeah. to to turn around um, yeah for sure. And- and, and, you know, the, the ideas can seem um, heresy, you know, in the sense that, you know, I mean, that it's so dramatic that it, it kind of shakes the foundation of many belief systems. And, and sometimes people don't like their belief systems messed with. <laughs> Well, people burned at the stake centuries ago for the Copernican mm-hmm. about the, you know, fighting against that. Well, there's flat earth people that still believe that the earth isn't round, that it's flat. <laughs> no. So things do take time. Yeah. Yes, um, it does. It does. Yes, uh, very much so. So now, um, with with your um, book, do you, how do you feel that um, the now you know, with, with Dr. Goswami mentioning the idea of poetry fitting into a quantum perspective, the, the, the marrying of um, poetry and 
quantum perspective. Um, what did, tell us a little bit about you know from the poet side of you um, how <laughs> that how that um, how that how you portray that in your work and, and, and how does it influence your work? So do you mean how does what he said about my my book? Influence my well, no, no, not necessarily what he said, but just the idea of you know. Well, I mean, yes, in a way. I mean, he mentioned you know that you know he you know recognizes now you know that that poetry has a a part um, or is a part of or can be um, consistent or you know simpatico in a way with. Uh-huh. Quantum perspective. So, I mean, you, you've you've obviously you know read his work and you believe in some of his perspective of of the quantum world. So, how does that? Um, how has that affected your work? Like, let's say you know, prior to Dr. Goswami and after. Dr. Goswami, has there been any, you know, from you, any perceived change in your writing? Well, actually, uh, I would say that the the poetry, of course, is creative, and Dr. Goswami is all about creativity. Um, That's, he's written a whole book about quantum creativity and how we need to listen to our intuition uh, and follow up on it and act on those on our intuition that it is really the way and there's a quote actually from um, ions the institute of noetic sciences there's just mm-hmm. a favorite quote of mine um, they uh, they said that intuition is the gps of the soul and i just mm-hmm. love that um, because, of course, GPS is how we find where we want to go in our material world here. But intuition is the way we get to understand our inner selves, our spiritual selves. So I, I just love that. And I think that that, um, that, that comes through in, in um, his work as well as uh, in the poetry that I write. And I do write a lot of poems about different aspects of nature. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been blessed to live in many places, like uh, near beaches and woodlands on mountains and near marshes and streams, trails and cities and suburbs. And uh, I've loved every place I've lived. I treasure them all. Nature is everywhere, and it's always with us. It's not nature isn't just out there. We're part of nature. We can't get away from her. Every breath we take should remind us of that. Nature is life itself. So um, I tend to write, um, I like the spontaneity involved with poetry. Um, I tend to write shorter poems and, and they're over, they're done fairly quickly. There's a, there's a freedom with writing uh, there's a sense of of taking flight or of 
like a birthing, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will. And in this, mm-hmm. it's a chance to capture a feeling, a memory, an emotion, and to transition that to pen and paper. Uh, yeah. I usually yeah. hand write at least my first version and scribble notes and some things come quickly and other things need some tweaking. But I, I try to let my inner self lead me in that. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for putting pen to paper. <laughs> you know, that that action of, you know, a, a kind of, you know, you may have a flow of flow of thought, but once you commit it to paper, I mean, it, it's kind of like a translator in a way, in the sense that you have that a thought process and then, you know, putting down the words. Versus, you know, I mean, you know, people can use, um, you know, word processors and that kind of thing, and you know, and that's fine. And, and, typewriters on that but there's something to the actual i believe there's something to the actual body movement accompanying that thought i couldn't agree more um and julia cameron wrote a book the artist's way uh and that mm-hmm. was all about creativity and she taught about how to do write morning pages and every morning she write get get three pages of stream of consciousness writing. And that was the sort of, that wasn't the writing you were going to be publishing. It was just going to be clearing your, the chatter that goes on in in our heads all the time. So you do that in the morning for three pages, handwritten, not typed. And, and then, then it allows your, your inner muse or that to, to dig down and you get, down to the well of uh, creativity within yourself that can bubble up after you get rid of all that chattery stuff. So I've, I've yeah. done that for a number of years and found it very helpful um, with creative writing. Yeah, writing is a way well, to... Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. We're, we're about halfway through the show, so I want to take just a quick break. Um, and, okay. um, and then when we come back, um, you mentioned nature and... You know, um, you know my love of nature, and so when we come back, maybe you can read for us one of your poems. Okay. Oh, that would be lovely. I'd like that. Okay, great. Okay, everyone, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. very much appreciate you supporting our guests and especially today's guests. 
Okay, everyone. Thank you for staying with us again today. My special guest joining us from Canada is Phoenix Rose, and we are talking about her new book, Hope and Heart, A Quantum Leap into the Aquarian Age. And again, you can find out more by visiting her website, which is www.phoenixrose.ca. At CA for Canada. <laughs> okay, uh, with that, we're back. Phoenix? Hi. <laughs> Great. So, so perhaps um, you'd like to hear a poem? Please, yes. I think it would be good to give our listeners just an idea of some of the poetry contained in your book. This poem is entitled Full Circle. The humble wildflower simply blooms to do its part on earth. But man must wisely not presume that he's of greater worth. Having soul and choice, of course, man's further along the way. Yet all of life has just one source, divine love ubiquitously conveyed. A flower offers beauty selflessly, though blown by wind and storm. Just so, our sun shines tirelessly to keep us cheery and warm. Do you suppose, when man does choose, flower-like to give, and not expect something in return, he nothing does lose, but gains instead more self-respect? And what is more, he helps sustain with the energy of higher love, the gift of grace which does maintain life below as tis above. If we aspire to offer up our gifts to all mankind, then like a trusting buttercup, to God's bosom will incline. For being needs our love to be as sure as the reverse applies. As much as raindrops fill lake and sea just to be drawn back to the skies. Well, I don't like that one. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a wonderful... Thank you. Um, yeah, wonderful poem. I mean... Uh, the sentiment of, you know, the importance of all aspects of nature, and yeah. and uh, yeah, and so anyway, that that's really nice and wonderful rhyme, <laughs> you know. I mean, not not all poetry <laughs> is rhyme, but um, right. but you, you did a wonderful job with that. So thank you. Now. Now, you know, nature is it was one of the topics. You have your the topics of your book divided into several sections, like nature, innocence, going within, love, aspiration, joy. So can you tell us um you know, a little bit about, you know, the um kind of why you have those particular sections, or you know, um, you know just I mean, those are all, um, you know, actually, you know, very affirming kinds of 
topics. Um, is you know is that kind of what you your work goes for or, or hopes to achieve? I'm sorry, you broke up a moment. I didn't hear that. It's that there one you define it in as one word, a kind of something, and I missed that. <laughs> well, so that's affirming. You know that they're that they're positive and yeah. um, more of an uh, of an uplifting kind of nature. Thank you. Yes, that's uh, uplifting is my middle name <laughs> in a sense. <laughs> uh, that's that's really what uh, that's why I love the title of your program. That uh, it just resonates so much with with my feelings and energies and efforts to. Uh, to try to bring light and, and positive energy. There's so much negativity out there that um, uh, we need to try and balance as much of that as we can with, with positive energy. So I'm sure that, that all of your, um, or most, I'm sure all of them that, that listen to your program are of that ilk and uh, try to do the same. So um, I wanted to put that in, that's the kind of poetry I wrote. I, I wrote from my heart with hope <laughs> about mm-hmm. um, all those at those different aspects as as you named them, and yeah. they are uplifting because nature is yeah. uplifting, and we need more joy. Mm-hmm. Now in winter. Love. You know, there's there's, <laughs> there's that downtime in winter, a beauty in itself. But uh, but I think that kind of gives you know, once one gets through winter, the experience of winter, and moves into spring, I think that that movement, you know, creates. Um, an, an excitement, um, you know, a joy, um, that rebirth aspect. And, and so and it's kind of like life, you know, that, you know, if you happen to go through those times of, you know, gray, you know, hibernation, um, death in a way, you know, that, you know, it does turn like nature into spring. That is so true, and I do have another poem that um, called "My Secret Chair," which um, had, well, I've got several about springtime things, but that one jumps to my mind. If you'd like me to read that quickly, yeah, I'd be glad great. to. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's called "My Secret Chair." It's one of the earlier poems I wrote in about 2007. My secret chair. I have a secret chair outside, tucked neatly in the woods, which the north side of my house does hide, creating feng shui good. It's mostly (laughs) hidden from the view of all who happen by me. For when I call to friends, they truly peer but cannot spy me. (laughs) It's a perfect place to contemplate the mysteries of the world. Is it destiny, fate? Or do we create issues which round us weave and swirl? In spring, when snowmelt gurgles past, my chair legs stuck, 
all on mire. My spirit struck by nature's vast reverse, an energy all afire. Snowdrop, trillium, daffodil, fern, a new parade week to week. Each one nature starts, each takes proper turn, asking how I await wisdom to speak. From my chair, mid circling cedar arms, in awed expectation, I a whisper here. Bring oneself into harmony with all, the veil now to tear. Wow, that is that is, that speaks directly to what I was thinking <laughs> of um, <laughs> of the, the transition from from winter to spring. Um, that's really nice, you know. And and you know when you talk about the the snowdrop, trillium, and daffodil, you know, a parade each week. You know, for me, um, I when I do my photography, it. In the spring, it seems that each week does bring about new blossoms, you know, um, and what I enjoy most is the return of flowers that I know the previous year I took a picture of. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, from and, you know, and that, I think that in itself is a... Um, can be soothing, you know, to recognize that, you know, you know, given the right time of year, you know, it's going to pop right back up and, and still be as beautiful as it was the year before. And it speaks to the cycles of life, that life is a, is a circle. And uh, if one believes in reincarnation, as I do, um, we know that um, death only masks our future state. So um, there's nothing to fear, really, um, yeah. from my perspective, anyhow. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the astrologer in you. Um, the, <laughs> uh, the, the book um, talks about, you know, a quantum leap into the Aquarian age. So tell us, you know, you indicated, I indicated in the introduction that you were not, um, an amateur astrologer, um, but um, let's say, tell us about your, you know, introduction into astrology and, you know, the idea of, you know, this this Aquarian age aspect that you talk about in the title of the book, you know, kind of from your perspective, what what is this Aquarian age that we are in the midst of oh sure i'm i'd be glad to to chat about that uh but to the first part of your question i began studying astrology in the early 1970s uh with arlene kramer she she was a noted uranian astrologer and she did serve at one time as the president of the american federation of astrologers so i was grateful to start out with such a um, well-thought-of astrologer. And then later on, I studied with um, a woman named May R. Wilson Ludlam from New Jersey. Um, as, you, as you noted, I have no certification, and I use it for personal interest. It's a study for me, from my perspective, mm-hmm. of human psychology, 
personality tendencies and inclinations, and I don't use it as a predictive force. Mm-hmm. Um, but so much, uh, so much of nature, we see cycles, and uh, there are cycles in astrology, and these are useful to understand in terms of timing. Um, we may recall Shakespeare famously wrote in his play, Julius Caesar, there is a tide in the affairs of men, which taken at the flood leads to fortune. End quote. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, there are definitely cycles and um, it, it's, it, it behooves us to pay attention to them if we or try to understand them anyhow. Um, but as for the the book itself, um, is it the title that you wanted to know about? Well, well, um, you know, yeah, well, you know, you, oh, in, in the I book see. you you talk a little bit about you talk a little bit about the Aquarian age, you know, in this age of, of change and and mm-hmm. uncertainty mm-hmm. and you know that kind of thing, and you know, and right now. Um, I think people are experiencing a high level of of this, you know, and um, kind of, you know, it seems to be, to me, it seems to be kind of like a frequency change in a way that, you know, the, the frequency changing and, you know, how sometimes um, uh, like a higher frequency would irritate, you know, someone's sense of hearing or, you know, there's just a um, a vibration happening that can create some uneasiness. I think you hit the nail on the head, Robert. Um, there's something in, astro- in astronomy called the precession of the equinoxes. And it's an astronomical happening. Uh, each, there are well, in this precession, it represents the 12 signs of the zodiac. And we've been, each, each sign, each precession, uh, or each, er, each age is the word I'm after, <laughs> uh, lasts about 2,100 years, a little more than that. And it's a slow change from one period to the next. And we're just leaving the Piscean age and entering the Aquarian age. No one knows exactly. There's no set date that this actually happened. Some people mm-hmm. will argue it was in 63, others in 2021. Um, uh, it just, it's a gradual process. And um, you're right. People feel subtle shifts of energy. Some people feel that time is speeding up, for example, and I attribute some of that to the influx of technology in our lives and the constant or uh, the instant connectivity that we can have. And it, it, some people, as you say, may um, be sensitive to those kinds of things. Um, so that's, uh, that's part of of the changes that are going on and what people are feeling and the unsettling effect. I often wonder if it's sort of a nudge from the universe that, you know, there's so much Mm -hmm. disagreement in the world. (laughs) Um, But astrologically, that was 
that was an astronomical explanation or comment. Mm -hmm. And astrologically, uh, the Aquarian age, uh, the sign of Aquarius, is bringing the promise of new discoveries in technology and science. Um, We certainly see that in, in space travel and people taking little mini trips up up and down or those in the um, space station. Um, There are, let's see, there's uh, artificial intelligence is taking off with um, a lot of people kind of wondering about that for sure. Um, There's Mm -hmm. autonomous electric vehicles. Um, There's Mm -hmm. study of brain neurons and, as we've discussed, consciousness. Uh, And... All of this, I think, is thanks in great part to quantum physics. All these kinds of changes and those to come are really game changers, which corresponds to this new Aquarian age. Uh, I think we can all start to look to have quantum leaps in creativity, an aha moment, something that comes to us suddenly um, as an insight It's a creative thing, and Dr. Goswami talks about this at great length in some of his books. Um, This is a discontinuous kind of thing, a quantum leap, because it seems to skip a step. There's a a new level of understanding. Um, I guess um, Einstein had a quantum leap when he finally accepted um, uh, that quantum physics was was real. He had resisted it because it, he said mm-hmm. God does not play dice. <laughs> There's no gamesmanship mm-hmm. here. We want order, and it doesn't seem to be happening. But there is order underlying all of this for sure. Yeah. So watch yeah, for your watch you know, for your intuitive your two intuitive um, inspirations. Uh, because they're coming from a, a higher plane, um, so listen to those is my is a suggestion. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and if they're nudging you in a way to do something, go ahead and do it. You know, I mean, if if it's to reach out to someone who maybe you haven't heard from, or you know, to maybe do something that has been on your to do list for thirty years and you haven't, you know, um, then go ahead and do it. Absolutely, absolutely, Robert. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, one, one, one. I want to talk. There's this one thing I want to um, also to get into before we we run out of time, and and that's the idea of, of writing poetry. You know, the um, some people may not recognize the value of poetry. Um, now. When did you write your first poem? <laughs> oh, boy. I wrote my first poem in fourth grade, and there was an, an in-class. I was um, uh-huh. Sorry? Uh-huh. I was wondering it was an in-class. It was. That was the first one. And my teacher did not care for the surprise ending that I put on it. It was, a, it was about the change of seasons. And she didn't, she didn't understand my, um, the hint that I was dropping or anyhow, she, there Mm -hmm. were red marks all over the paper and 
that just shut me right down. And that's what that's what um, people can do if you listen to what other people say instead of what your heart says. Uh, it can shut you down, which is not advisable. It took me a long time yeah. to get over that, but um, I did start. I didn't write poetry again for quite a while, but I did write other things. Yeah, you know, I read, when I read that in your book, when I read that in your book, yeah. I just I wanted to make sure to bring that up because for two reasons. <laughs> Number one, for those people who have had similar experience to you that were shut down because of a teacher, you know, a teacher's comments or or, or maybe parents or or some other, you know, peer types of comments who who shut down that creative element um in one is to recognize that, you know, that, you know, undo that, you know, to to kind of throw yes. that off. And then number two, for teachers to realize the impact that they have on children and how they maybe inadvertently can stifle creativity and expression. You know, um, they have that power to do that, which which really is an awesome power, but, you know, not to be misused. Exactly. And I hope people will, will try new things. Um, I've written some aphorisms at one time that, you know, just don't be afraid to try something new. Who cares if you if it's not any good or, you know, you don't think it is at first? Um, if, you tr- if you don't like something, try something else. Pick yourself up, brush yourself off, and start all over again. But writing is one way to create your own clarity of thinking speaking, and living. And we get to know ourselves better through poetry. She's like a bosom buddy, kindred spirit. Um, I try to write about uplifting, optimistic subjects because there's already enough negativity and depression in the world. I think by striving for optimism, I think we will find a way. And I hope that my readers will become more self-reflective and gain joy and self-confidence as a result. Yeah. yeah that, that's wonderful because, like you say, you know, we need that balance from the megaphone of negativity that we're bombarded with daily, um, but also in the with that as a fo- with the optimism and uplifting as a focus of writing, it not only um, helps others, but it also uplifts you, the the, the writer, you know, and, and can you know? I mean, it, it's a way to focus positivity into one's life, thereby, you know, kind of the outward expression of more positivity happening in one's life. I think so. And I think that, you know, people in general are, are curious. So I, I think mm-hmm. they should get, a, get, them, get themselves out of their own way and, uh, and try things. Just be in nature as much as you can and run to the window every morning and breathe some fresh <laughs> air. I, I do that up here in Canada, even in the winter. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it just gets rid of the stale oxygen in the bottom of your lungs or what the carbon dioxide, I guess, at that point. And you just take in that, revitalize your body with with fresh air. It's, it's very healthful and 
and beneficial and gets you off to a good start in the day. Oh, absolutely. I, I do it virtually every day. I take my little nature walk with my camera and, and uh, see what I can see, but but it also um, serves to get me kind of balanced and grounded and and just energized for the day no matter what it holds. Exactly, exactly, Robert. Well, Phoenix, this has really been a delight to speak with you. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I love your perspective of life and and also how it's reflected in your your poetry in the book and as well as that quantum, as a quantum perspective. I mean, it kind of is all-encompassing. Well, life is a journey, and uh, we need to try and enjoy as much of it as we can and and, – when we when we give out good things, we get good things back. It's a law of attraction, and it's a cause and effect kind of thing. And um, so, doing positive things for other people ha- has to help and heal yourself as well. But I Absolutely. enjoy your your program, and I thank you for the opportunity to be a part of it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And look forward to now. Is there going to be another book, a follow-up? <laughs> or are you going to take a break? <laughs> uh, maybe, I'll, you know, not right away, but I, I might work <laughs> on a memoir. We'll see. <laughs> you yeah. never say never, well, I, so uh, stay I tuned. I know. Well, I know when, I did, when I did my first one, I thought, nope, that was it. <laughs> you know, I, I spent a lot of time on this one, but then certainly, you know, a little while afterwards, like, no, I I have a little bit more to say, so I'm, I'm I'm having a feeling that you'll kind of follow in that that kind of footstep as well. Time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll stay well, open to my interviews. There you go, and I'm sure you will follow that intuition. So, well, thank you again, Phoenix. This has been a delight. Thank you very much, Robert. Been a pleasure. You're very Best welcome again, everybody. everyone. Everyone, my special guest today has been Phoenix Rose. She's been joining us from Canada. Uh, we've been talking about her new book, Heart, Hope and Heart, A Quantum Leap into the Aquarian Age. Again, that's Hope and Heart, A Quantum Leap into the Aquarian Age. Um, you can find out more about Phoenix Rose, her work, and also her book, um, available through the website, www.phoenixrose.ca. That's CA for Canada, phoenixrose.ca. So everyone, thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Her Show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to BikesRadio.me's Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. To become a show follower, visit www.blogtalkradio forward slash me and click on the follow link. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Byte Radio Me. Be sure to visit our website at www.byteradio.me. That's B-I-T-E-R-A-D-I-O dot M-E. And until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch.